God hasn't just decided that some will be some will be saved and some are lost causes. This scripture says he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So literally, when you are praying for your prodigal, you are praying the will of God. In fact, God, you're not taking a really long time because you're slack or because you're slow. Thank you, God. You're patient. In your patient, loving kindness, you are giving my family member, my co-worker, you are giving them time to repent. God doesn't want anyone, not one, to perish. Do you know how wonderful that is? That God doesn't give up on anyone? That He is patient? That He is kind? That He is long-suffering? He wants everyone to come to Him? It can be heartbreaking to have a prodigal in your family or in your circle of friends. So today on Bridges, we're going to talk about praying for your prodigal. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm so glad that you could join us today. And I want us to start today just with taking a quick look at the story of the prodigal son. And most assuredly, that story is given to us so that we can learn and so that we can grow And I really think so that we can better understand the heart of our Heavenly Father. You know, when Jesus says He came to seek and save the lost, the Word of God teaches us that He leaves the 99 to go to the one. And I think we all know that sometimes the 99 get mad that He goes to get the one because we think, well, we're doing all of the right things and you're going over there after that one. And yet that's so the heart of the Father to go to the one that's lost, to go to the one that has lost his way. And when we get the opportunity to join him in his mission by praying for your prodigal, it can be very hard, but it can also be a time of a lot of growth and a a time where a lot of compassion can form and can build inside of our hearts. There's so much. The story of the prodigal son is so rich, but I I want us to look at that story for just a moment through the father's eyes. As we read scripture, it says that the father saw his son when his son was a long ways away. In other words, the father was watching for his son to return. There was a sense in his heart of hope and expectancy. We're unclear really on if the father knew all about what the son was doing, like every little detail. Clearly the father knew that his son was a prodigal. Clearly the father knew that his son had rejected the family and was going to go off and spend his money and do his own thing. And that in, in and of itself is absolutely heartbreaking, gut-wrenching to spend your life raising a child, investing in a child, loving a child, doing the best you can uh, to teach him or her about the Lord or, or whatever the situation is and have them walk away. But this dad watches for his son. We know he does that because scripture says he saw him when he was a long way off and was ready to celebrate. All the bad that had happened, all the things that had gone wrong, his heart was full of joy to see his son return home. And we know 
that the angels rejoice when just one person gives their heart to Christ, that there's a party in heaven. And so this sense of watching, this sense of expectancy is something when we are, when you are praying for your prodigal that you will have. There also had to be on this father's part, at least every once in a while, some disappointment, right? Because if there's expectation, if you're watching for the sun to return and you're doing this and the sun doesn't return and more days go by and the sun doesn't return, your hopes have to be dashed once in a while. And so this is so much the part of loving a prodigal and praying for your prodigal is that there are ups and downs and twists and turns. And one day faith might be strong and another day it seems all hope is lost, though we know that's really not true. It's just what it feels like. It's a rough journey. But this father teaches us so much in this story because he watches for his son. He has hopes. He's ready to celebrate. So he's ready to mend those fences. He's planning on this. He wants this. And we know that in his household, um, he has servants. So we know that he continued to work. He continued to live his life. And this can be hard when you're praying for a prodigal in some situations. If it's a prodigal that... Uh, is addicted to drugs or has some other life-controlling issue going on, sometimes it's hard for parents to live a full life, to just make it through the day. And yet, the story of the prodigal son teaches us that it is possible to continue to live a full life and yet leave that door open for the child to return. So I want you to just think about the prodigal father, the prodigal son, his experience when the prodigal son returns home and his other son is agitated and irritated and jealous. And guys, if we all are just really honest, there are times, whether it's been a prodigal or not, we've been in that situation thinking, well, how come that person's getting all that? Like they did all these bad things and now you're acting like they didn't do anything and I'm over here doing the right things, right? Checked all the boxes. Dad, I've been doing everything you ask. And the dad says to him, but son, everything I've had has always been yours. And so I say this to those of you who maybe you have a prodigal in your family and you're just so irritated and you're so mad and you're so angry because all of the time that's wasted, the money that gets spent, the worried nights, the sleepless nights, and all of that is real and legitimate. And I really believe in the journey of praying for your prodigal. There has to be that place before the Lord that we pour out our grief. That, you know, God, I really wish this, my story was not like this. I wish this wasn't a part of it. However, by faith, I stand ready, willing to forgive, to receive the prodigal back. God, I want, I want to be ready and I don't want to be mad that they want to stray. I want to know that I've been your child the whole time and that everything you have is mine. I mean, the Bible says that we are heirs and that we are joint heirs. We are sons and daughters if we believe in Christ. And so if you're on this journey of praying for your prodigal, there may be that angst, that worry, that concern, but take heart. The father sees all that. People may not understand it and you may have your own guilt about it and there may be that stigma, 
And, you know, I think the prodigal father probably knew something uh, in, the, in, the, in the Bible, in the, in the story in the Bible with his prodigal son. He probably knew something about stigma, you know, because you got to go back to context, to what the days were like in Bible days. And so people didn't have social media and email and all of that then to communicate. But towns were smaller. People knew people. People still talked. People knew, probably, that this son had run off, that he had shamed the family. And in this day, it's different than it is now. You may have a prodigal that left the family that did whatever, and you live on the corner, and nobody in your subdivision knows. In Bible days, it's more than likely that lots of people in the town knew. And that this prodigal father endured a lot of shame over the actions of his son. Also very probable that during this time, that if the son tried to return and people saw it, that they would shame the son and that they would shun the son because his behavior was deplorable. Now, in modern day times, people may talk, right? But we typically don't... uh, openly shame people. Not that that it's better that we just talk behind their back, but that's typically more the way that we handle it. And the fact that this prodigal, that the father of the prodigal son was watching for his son, he was willing to fend off any shamers that might come his way. Anybody that was going to stop his kid from coming home, he was going to stop that action. And so there is that heart for the prodigal parent to be able to create that environment, to give your prodigal enough room to turn around, to come to their senses like the prodigal son did and say, you know what, I want to come back home. And for some, this doesn't mean come back home literally, like come live in the house with you, but come back home to Christ, come back home to the faith. And so if you're living with and dealing with stigma and shame, please understand this. Jesus Christ came not to put shame on us, but to say shame off you. Guilt and shame have no part in the life of the believer. Our sins, yes, we need to repent for our sins. When we repent for our sins, we are forgiven They are thrown as far as the east is from the west. So if you have a prodigal and you've been blaming yourselves about all the wouldas, the couldas, the shouldas, what might have been, please let that go. Please let that go because God says when we repent, that's under the blood. Maybe you could have done more. Maybe you didn't even know Christ. Maybe you weren't even trying. I don't know. But beating yourself up is not biblical nor does it do anything to help your prodigal. But praying for your prodigal can change everything. And we learn about that in the story of the prodigal son. I want us to talk about for a moment repentance. This is what the Bible says in Romans 2, 3, and 4 out of the New Living Translation. It says, since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? 
can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? We need to understand this. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. It is not judgment or shame or scolding. So when I say that, I, doesn't, I don't mean that there isn't a time that we have to be truthful with the prodigal. I mean, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So we have to be honest and we have to be truthful. And for me, God's word is the truth. No ifs, ands, buts, there are no exceptions. God's word is the authoritative, infallible truth. But in that infallible truth, he teaches us that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. So when you, when I, when we are praying for your prodigal, it is biblical to say, God, in your kindness, lead blank, insert their name to Christ. Lead them to repentance. It's the goodness of God. And yes, again, there always needs to be the truth of God, but it is the goodness of God. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. And this journey of praying for your prodigal, it's a tough journey. I have several prodigals in my family that I pray diligently and consistently that his kindness will lead them to repentance. I've had sleepless nights up walking the floor, asking God every scripture that they know, bring it back to them in the name of Jesus at the moment that they need it the most. I believe at any time the prodigals in my family may well be like that prodigal son out living with the pigs when he comes to his senses. You know what? I'm better off a servant in my father's house. I'm going to go home. I pray for that moment for the prodigals in my family. Like God, any moment with your kindness, lead them to repentance. However it is that they could hear from you, let those scales fall from their eyes and all the scripture that's been invested in them, let it come back to them and give me the faith and strength to fight this fight and to be diligent in praying for the prodigals in my family. And I want you to be diligent for praying for your prodigals. And what I found in those really long nights where you can't sleep, and when you're up walking the floors, and when people well-meaning or maybe malicious, I don't know, sometimes I, I just, sometimes I just can't even. I'm just like, I don't even know why you'd say that to somebody, really. I think my mom, when I was a little girl, she'd say it, right? You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Oh, but what if it's the truth? Guys, the truth, when it's handled properly from God's word, always comes with love and grace. Truth without grace is nothing but condemnation. And when anybody starts getting all, well, this is just the way it is, there's nothing grace-filled or faith-filled about any of that. That's like the enemy 
who is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is the father of lies. He couldn't tell the truth if he wanted to. And trust me, he doesn't want to. The Bible says he's the father of lies. And don't let him talk to you about your prodigal. And don't let other people's voices echo his words. Know the truth. Know the truth. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus says he didn't come for the healthy. He, came, he didn't come for people who already thought they were good enough. It says he came to those that were sick and needed a doctor. And let me say this. Our prodigals need the great physician. And the great physician wants our prodigals more than we want our prodigals to know the great physician. That seems impossible to me, but it is. He is their heavenly father. He is the one who decided that every person on the face of this earth should be here at this time. He knew everything about all of them, and yet he still went ahead and he created them. So as long as there's life, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Let's get a vision to be praying for your prodigals. And on this hard journey of long sleepless nights, of crying a lot of tears, of people not understanding, of celebrating other people's children or adult children, all the victories in their life and their celebrations, and you're just thinking, I just want to know my kid's still alive, right? In all of that, in all of that part of the journey, you are and I am learning patience. We're learning compassion. We're growing in character. We're learning to identify with God's heart for the lost. There have been more than one time I've said to God, okay, can I please do something beside grow in character? Like this is just really painful and I just can't take it. So what I'm telling you is not easy. <laughs> and it's a lesson that I've learned and that I'm still learning because sometimes I just think this is a lot of patience. This is just a lot of character. I tell God sometimes, you know, I know a lot of people that just kind of seem clueless and happy and maybe I could just be one of those, like, <laughs> really. But he always, in a way that only he can, with his grace and with his kindness, brings me back to the truth that he chose me for this journey. He entrusted this to me to pray through. And so as much as people might blame you and point your fingers and say, well, if you had been a better parent, if you had done better, as much as all that might come your way, God has helped me come to a place to understand that he chose me not to suffer. No, he chose me knowing that he could trust me to go the distance for this journey and praying for the prodigals in my family. And if that is your experience, he's entrusted this to you, not to be mean, not, no, none of that, to bring victory, to bring a recommitment to Christ, to restore everything that's been lost. He's entrusted you and he walks with you and he walks with me and he bears our burdens and he helps us when we can't take it one more day. Like he knows all of that. You know, in church, sometimes we just gloss over things and, oh, hallelujah, I'm too blessed to be stressful. Listen, 
if your kid's up doing whatever at night, even if they're 50 years old, you might not feel like saying you're so blessed you're not stressed or however the saying goes. I mean, guys, there are days that those little trite sayings, while there's truth to them, they just don't apply on those particular moments at those particular days. And if you've been there, you know exactly what I mean. We are also to keep praying. Uh, you'll find this in James 5, and I'll read to you out of the New Living Translation, James 5:16. Confess your sins to, to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So in praying for your prodigal, you may feel really low on strength and energy and like, God, I have prayed every prayer that I know how to pray. I have cried every tear that I have and I am just, I am spent. Like I am done. Take a deep breath. (laughs) I have to do that sometimes. (laughs) I press the reset button and I remind myself that through Christ, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. And that means makes a great difference. Your prayers matter. Your prayers are powerful. Don't give up because of what you see or what you think you don't see. Because really none of us know how close someone is to recommitting their hearts to Christ or coming to Christ. If you would have asked me five minutes before I walked that aisle to give my heart to Christ. If you'd have asked me, Monica, are you ready to make that decision? I would have laughed in your face and said, absolutely no way. Didn't want to, wasn't ready, uh uh-uh, not happening. And yet, in that moment, that miraculous moment that I can't define, none of us can. The Bible says no man comes unless the Spirit draws. When you are praying for your prodigal, you are praying for the Spirit to draw them. You are asking God to do what you don't have the power to do. You can't make it happen. And if you've got a prodigal, you know that because you've probably tried everything just like I have with the prodigals in my family. I've tried everything that I can think of. I've tried, you know, giving books by great apologists. <laughs> I've tried Q&A sessions. I've tried just being real nice. And you just know, in our own efforts, we can't produce any good thing. Also, on Wednesdays, every Wednesday, I commit to special prayer time for prodigals. So if you have a prodigal in your family and you would like me to put your prodigal on my prayer list and pray with you, because I need you to be praying with me. We need to be praying together. There's power and agreement. You can go to monicaschmelter.com and you can use the contact page there and let me know your prodigal's name. You don't have to write me a novel. You can if you want to. You could just put their first name and I will diligently pray because I have lived a life of prayer. I have watched God do the seemingly impossible time and time again. And even though I have prodigals right now in my family, I don't know when, I don't know if I'll get to see it in my lifetime, but I know without a doubt that God hears my prayers and that he's working behind the scenes in ways that I just can't even know about. Next, I want to say this. He wants everyone to come to him. So don't let anybody or your own mind torment you that your kid or your grandkid or your cousin or whomever is a lost cause. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, New Living Translation, 
the Lord really isn't slack, isn't slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Think about that. God hasn't just decided that some will be, some will be saved and some are lost causes. This scripture says he does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to come to repentance. So literally, when you are praying for your prodigal, you are praying the will of God. You are saying, God, I'm coming alongside you. I know that you don't want my kid. You don't want my cousin. You don't want my uncle. You don't want my husband. You don't want them to be destroyed. In fact, God, you're not taking a really long time because you're slack or because you're slow. Thank you, God. You're patient. In your patient, loving kindness, you are giving my family member, my co-worker, you are giving them time to repent. And as you commit and as you are diligent by faith to be praying for your prodigal, God will build your faith. He'll give you strength. In those sleepless nights, he'll meet you there. He will do what people can't do. He will do what you can't do. What we've been talking about today is that God doesn't want anyone, not one, to perish. Do you know how wonderful that is? That God doesn't give up on anyone, that he is patient, that he is kind, that he is long-suffering. He wants everyone to come to him. He tells us that our prayers are powerful. So I say, don't give up. It may be a long, hard road, and I understand that. And as I've shared, there's been so many times that I've felt like giving up, but I know he's too good, and I know him too well to give up. I know that it is his kindness that leads to repentance. So if you've got prodigals in your family, Don't scold and shame. It's okay to speak the truth. Just speak the truth in love. Make sure that you're giving grace, grace for people to have enough room to turn around. Remember, as I've shared with you today, the story of the prodigal father, the way that he patiently waited, the way that he looked for his son, The way that he saw his son when his son was a long way off. And always remember on this hard journey of having a prodigal in your family, that God is with you. He's there to help you. He's here to sustain you. Remember the story of the prodigal father and remember the story. The point of the story is that the prodigal son comes home. We're out of time. We've got to go, but goodbye and God bless you. If you're looking for ways to grow your faith, we invite you to go to monicaschmelzer.com where you can watch Bridges interviews and Monica's teachings on demand. You'll also find free online extras that offer practical ways to live out your faith. 
visit monicashmelter.com where you'll find hope because truth changes everything. Join the Bridges community on Facebook. Visit Facebook and search for Bridges with Monica. We would love to connect with you. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.